Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're having a great day. And this is part of our series. Today, um, the first Tuesday of every month, I've been trying to do a series on a member spotlight where I bring real parents, as if we're all fake parents, I bring parents who are experiencing either anxiety or OCD or both with their children. And they bring their real life stories. They share their journey. They share their struggles and they share their biggest ahas. And today we have Tiffany on the show and she talks about um, her, her struggles in finding the right care for her son. She talks about the struggles with mindset that we all have when we're parenting children with OCD. And she also brings up some interesting things. I feel like each parent that I bring on in this series has a, a unique angle or highlight that they're bringing to the show. And so we have talked about picking in some of these episodes under this series. We have talked about, well, actually in the future episode, uh, our next one next month will be about autism and anxiety and how they interconnect. And today Tiffany went into how she thought her son had tics and it was actually OCD and um, some dual diagnoses and fleshing out like what is really, you know, ADHD and what's actually anxiety and OCD um, in disguise. So we hadn't talked about that with parents. And so um, that's a really interesting thing to dive into. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope you're enjoying this series where I'm bringing parents who are going through things that you're going through and, and giving them a platform to share their stories and share how they're also experiencing the AT parenting community. So before we get started, I also want to mention that I have a mini OCD class that's completely free. I had it for a really long time. I think people just don't realize that I have these resources because I'm not really good at shouting out that I have them, but I do want to highlight that. So if you're listening to these episodes, you have a child with OCD and you know, you, you just want to learn and soak up knowledge. I have a mini course that goes into some of the misperceptions of childhood OCD. And I've had even like very well seasoned parents who have been on this journey for a really long time take that mini course and were surprised at some of the ahas that they even got, even being in therapy for years and years, some things that they learned from this very short mini course. It's only 30 minutes. So if you want to sign up, you can sign up and take it at any time and it's free and you can learn more about it at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. That's atparentingsurvivalschool.com. You'll see the library of classes I have. Just look for the one that says um, parenting kids with OCD. It's got a free ribbon on top of it, so you can't miss it. And that's what I'm talking about. So let's dive into this interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Without further ado, here is my interview with Tiffany. Well, I want to welcome Tiffany to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to talk to you. Yeah, so this is part of the series that we're doing where we're talking to AT Parenting community members and talk about real life experiences so that parents can hear, hear other parents talking about the struggles and the things that they're trying, the things that they're using to kind of inspire other people. Even though all of our journeys are kind of messy, I think it's really good to hear from other people. So I'm 
happy that you agreed to come on and talk about your your story. Sure. So could you start with a little bit of background on your family and your child's struggles? Sure. So um, our oldest son is nine now, and we've been struggling with anxiety. Um, it, we've kind of always seen it in him, um, even you know, in toddlerhood. Uh, we saw his anxiety and his OCD now. Um, you know, hindsight, we see the OCD tendencies. So um, they started pretty early for him. And um, we have just been on this journey of, you know, getting the right diagnosis has been really tough. A lot of things kind of flew under the radar for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the education especially has been hard for him. There may be some other comorbid um, disorders as well. We're still trying to sort through all of that. But um, yeah, we also have a toddler. So yeah, our plate's a little full. <laughs> How old is your toddler? He's 20 months. Okay. So a nine-year-old and a 20-month-old. Yeah, that's yep. sometimes that. You'd think that would be helpful, but you know, sometimes, because I think I have a seven-year-old and a toddler at one mm-hmm. point. I thought that would be great. And they fought. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to fight. You're supposed to be my babysitter. What's going on with this? <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah. Luckily, their dynamic is a really, a really good, strong, healthy relationship. So well, that's, that's one. Yeah, that's one area that's pretty smooth. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good area to be smooth in. Yeah, yeah. So what was, I just want to go back to the diagnosis part, because that's kind of a common mm-hmm. theme I'm seeing with um, all the parents that I'm interviewing is just this, this beginning step of like getting the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people sitting in the anxiety diagnosis for quite a long time before mm-hmm. moving into the OCD diagnosis. What was yeah. the biggest struggle with that? Oh, um, you know, his, his anxiety... Um, it was misdiagnosed as ADHD mm. and um, the ADHD piece is still to be determined. Um, and we've been through like seven specialists. Wow. So um, we're still working through that um, actually, but the OCD piece um, also was uh, there was concern that he had a tick disorder or Tourette's, um, you know, because of, of some sniffing and breathing, uh, which later when I, you know, he's a little older now and I was mm-hmm. able to say like, Hey, I, I hear you doing this thing when you exhale, can you tell me what's going on with that? And he says, Oh, that's just something about me. I'm like, Oh, I'm intrigued. Please tell me. <laughs> um, and because of what I've learned from you, which is what I wanted to share today was, um, you know, naming the anxiety and the OCD. Um, he was able to tell me, well, you know, if I accidentally inhale a bug, if I exhale like that, I won't swallow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So Mr. Bossy's talking to you right now, which I'm sure we'll get into that later. But, um, so things like that, where, you know, something that could just look like a tick, cause you hear your kid going, and yeah. then being able to kind of dive deeper and give them the verbiage to explain, oh, no, this is what's actually happening um, that, you know, helped bring some things to light. And I was able to then go to our psychiatrist at the time with a very concrete example of instead of just, you know, my kid's a perfectionist. Well, yeah, that's common with anxiety. I was able right. to actually identify like an obsession and a compulsive behavior. Yeah, that's huge. Which yeah. 
I bet so many parents are missing things like that because you knew to look at it and to, to probe a little bit and to go a little bit deeper, you know, cause mm-hmm. so many kids have ticks that are, that yeah. are misdiagnosed as ticks that are really mm-hmm. compulsions. Not all of them, obviously, cause there's a comorbid condition of, you know, having ticks and OCD. So they're common, right. but I think a lot of times anxious kids have quote unquote ticks and a lot of them are actually compulsions. And if you didn't ask him and get that clear intrusive thought and that compulsive behavior linked together, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't be able to go to the psychiatrist. That's, that's amazing that you were able to spot that. I think, and that he was able to tell you that's good. Yeah. Well, that was all thanks to everything I've learned from your materials was just, you know, trying to dive a little bit deeper into some of these behaviors that just seem strange and um, just, you know, your, your gut intuition of like, there's something else, you know, we haven't quite gotten it yet. There's something else. And um, to just trust that, that um, parental instinct. Yeah. And that's been a theme that's been coming up with all these parent interviews that I've been doing is this gut instinct that, mm-hmm. that all of you that I've interviewed so far have talked about, which is kind of interesting um, to see that pattern when I talk to you guys, that that, you know, it's hard to find a specialist. It's hard to find. So a lot of people are trying to find proper services. And in, in the meanwhile, they have a gut instinct that's saying something's off. I'm feeling like we're missing something. And it was that kind of tenacity of to keep going and trying to find it and get your own help and find your own research. That's mm-hmm. really made a big difference. So it's interesting. Yeah. And it says yep. something about our mental health system, I guess, too. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. story with the system is just, it's ongoing. That is too bad. Yeah. It's been, it's been tough. And that's just where you, you have to, if you do have that instinct that you just haven't quite nailed it down yet, you have to dig in and just know that it, your kid's worth it and you will get to the other side of it. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, and don't wait. You know, I think that that's yeah. the thing about a lot of the AT parenting members, you included is I'm not seeing people sit around just waiting. Like, let me just wait for this appointment in three months, or let me just wait until I find the right professional who can, you know, correctly diagnose my child. It's like, don't wait, be proactive, mm-hmm. start working on things, yeah. name it, you know, Mr. Mm-hmm. Bossy, because externalizing it can be really helpful. So what were some of the approaches that you took? Well, um, I think once I was able to tell him, you know, Hey, like, uh, when you tell me you're afraid, you know, he was, he was afraid of bad guys. Right. So that was a, that was kind of a theme with him, like being afraid of bad guys, being afraid of the dark, things like that. So, uh, it, it gave me a way to talk to him about it. So, you know, like I've heard you say, it's, it's not really saying, what are you afraid of? It's what are these thoughts that you have and you know well I'm afraid a bad guy's gonna come into the house in the middle of the night and you know hurt us or kill us or you know steal our things and when I said you know okay well that's a worry thought and that comes from um, this thing called anxiety and I have it too so that was helpful that I could yeah. um, you know kind of commiserate in that and yeah. just try to normalize like hey you know I, I get it to a point. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, go from there, like that's, that's Mr. Worry. And those worried thoughts can make you feel this way or, um, you know, 
when when you feel like you have to do something because of what you're worried about, that's Mr. Bossy. That's something different. Mm-hmm. And that is OCD. And this is how we fight Mr. Bossy back. We we do the opposite of what he tells us to do. And it's uncomfortable, but that is how that's how we win. That's how we make him get smaller. What was what was his reaction to that? Um I don't know. I, I can't remember like a super profound reaction, but I just noticed, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like it, it, it wasn't a super profound reaction in the moment. But um, over time, what I saw actually pretty quickly was he was able to start identifying those thoughts and feelings and actions. And then all of this stuff, this OCD stuff came to light. And at first it was as a parent, as a mother, like very hard to digest and hear like, oh my gosh, you think about this stuff all day long and it is really impacting your life. And, you know, I had no idea that his OCD would tell him, um, you know, to count, you know, how many times he would, um, undo his Velcro straps on his shoes or how many times he has to spit when he's brushing his teeth or, Mm. um, you know, there's just that ritualistic behavior that in the mornings we're trying to get out the door and I don't even see it. And then I start watching for it and he starts telling me about it. And then we can work really cohesively as a team, um, to, to break some of those, those ritualistic behaviors. And, uh, it just really was empowering for him. And he's always been pretty good at that, um, that self-reflection, you know, just kind of mm. just knowing how he feels and putting it into words. He's been pretty good about that. Um, but I think for him and me too, it just, it helps us separate the, the disorder from the child. And, you know, yeah. like I hear you say so many times, you know, when you talk to a child, they're, their defenses can go up if you're like, well, what are you scared of? But when you say, what is Mr. Bossy telling you? What is Mr. Worry telling you? It's like, oh, well, they say this or that. And um, it just gives them a little bit more space and wiggle room and freedom to kind of explore and share. Yeah, it definitely gives, it, it gives them permission to, to talk about it and not have it impact who they are as a person. So, and I like the right. way you, um, I like the way you differentiated Mr. Murray and Mr. Bossy. I think that's that's helpful, especially when you've been dealing with anxiety for a while, and that's been kind of solid. And then you're going to shift gears and talk about approaching things differently for OCD. It is really good to separate them out and have different names, especially when you have an older child like yours that they can understand. Okay, Mr. Bossy's telling me, you know, to breathe out, or Mr. Bossy's telling me to count. And Mr. Worry's telling me someone's going to break in and kill me, you know, like, mm-hmm. and understanding how to, how to handle those differently. That's, that's a great, great approach. Yeah, well, we're, <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> it's always a work in progress. Yeah, it totally is. And I think that's been kind of the conversation um, in talking to parents is that our job is really just to support them and kind of train them to be their own best OCD experts so that right. they can do this themselves, so they, they can eventually create their own exposures, they can eventually challenge themselves or do red thoughts and green thoughts, and um, giving him a language to be able to even understand it is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was really helpful for him to process that, because, you know, there are the hard days when 
um, he's, you know, crying and saying, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. I wish I didn't have to deal with this. And it, it helps us keep it separate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and nice just, that you can, you can kind of, um, validate his feelings because it runs in the family. And so you can, yeah. Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a hard thing. I struggled with anxiety my whole life and didn't even know it, you know, until he, we've been on this journey with him and listening to your information is just, it's, um, it's amazing, you know, that, that so many of us go so long with this and, um, we, you know, we all get a little bit of freedom through our kids is really amazing. Yeah. I just don't think it was talked about as much. I know back in Mm -hmm. my day, (laughs) it was like, there just wasn't a talk. There wasn't a lot of discussion of it. (laughs) And then when you're working on helping your child, you start to, to realize, oh my gosh, I have, I have had all the same things. I think that's an epiphany for a lot of Mm -hmm. parents. Sure. Where they realize, okay. And now, you know, even like with your younger child, I think just having that knowledge and like your eyes and ears so that you can like proactively give him or her, do you have, is it a, what's your, is it a two boys? Oh, two boys. Okay. Yeah. So you can, you know, with your younger son, even I always felt like I did a better job with my other kids. <laughs> like the first one was, a yeah. <laughs> but then the second one, I like, I could see it earlier. Not that they have to have a diagnosis, but like just giving them that emotional vocabulary and like building their understanding of life and facing their fears. It, it doesn't have to be a diagnosis issue. It's just how you talk to kids from a young age. Yeah. That emotional um, intelligence piece, like the, the way I handle my toddler myself and the way I talk to him and the way I handle his really big emotions are completely different just from uh, the knowledge I've gleaned as, uh, you know, a special needs parent or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's valuable no matter what your parenting situation is. So I owe so much. Uh, I'm such a better mom to my youngest and my oldest because of the challenges. Yeah. It, Cause it brings your awareness. I think you have to like have more intentional parenting because your kids won't let you otherwise like mm-hmm. you can't be casual about it. Cause they're going to have, they're going to react. And so like, you're like, Mm-hmm. You're very aware of like, I'm going to do this and then this is what's going to happen. And so I think it, mm-hmm. I think you're right. It does make us better parents and more conscientious mm-hmm. because we have to be so on top of it. Which is, yeah. What would be your biggest advice for another parent who's raising a child with OCD? Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I shared with, with you earlier on your website was um, for me, Educating myself has been huge Um, and just really searching those resources and trusting my gut instinct. And then once I felt knowledgeable and educated in anxiety and OCD, I was able to educate my child on what it is, how to fight it, how it doesn't define him. And then remembering that, you know, even though I'm his coach in, in helping him learn how to fight it, as you always say, it is his fight. Yeah. And I can't do it. I can't do it for him. And it, it kills as a parent. It, 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 when he chooses not to fight it, it's so hard for me, but just taking that step back and just saying, you know, it's not my fault. I'm not a failure. I'm doing everything I can and letting him do the rest. 
Yeah. And that's such a good lesson that you've picked up. And I'm glad you've gotten that because that's kind of my biggest message for the, for the community is, you know, you think that you're signing up for this community to, to learn skills, to teach your child. And really that's just a small portion of it mm-hmm. because we, we are not in control over what our kids decide to do with all this, the tools that we give them. Mm-hmm. And like education is the key, like you said, like really understanding OCD, like not depending on a therapist to teach your child. Like you have to be an expert yourself because you're going to live it, eat and breathe it. So yep. you want to know what you're doing. You want to, you want to know as much as the therapist, if not more. Right. And then you have to let go. I, I like what you said, because you can do all the most perfect things in the world, but you can have a child who is just not there yet or isn't mm-hmm. ready to fight it or it's just having a really rough time. And so all the skills that they want to do or they even apply don't work in the moment Mm -hmm. and letting go and taking care of yourself and realizing that you're not driving. You're just sitting there in the passenger seat. As I always say, you know, it's an important lesson. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I need to take my own advice. There's so many days I have a hard time taking my own advice. But, um, and just, you know, and I myself having anxiety, not having that um, catastrophic thinking, you know, you just go down the negative rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh. And you just have this horrible dreary outlook. It's like, just, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Just keep going, keep educating, keep planting seeds. Yeah. It is hard. And I think it's hard when a lot of us come with our own anxiety because genetically the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to not have our own catastrophic thinking Mm -hmm. and, um, and get caught up in that, especially mm-hmm. with OCD where it's, it's scary. It's just scary because it's so irrational at times. And it, it can be so disturbing that mm-hmm. to see your child struggle like that can be, can be so overwhelming, but taking care of yourself and like really working on your mindset, which, um, you know, I, I can also give advice and not always take it. So, but it's a reset always. It's, it's pulling it back and being like, what's happening today? I'm like, I'm not going to think about like four weeks from now. I'm not going to think about two years from now. I'm just like, what's happening today? What can I do today? And what, Mm -hmm. what's not my job? What's their job? And then I have to let go. Yeah. It's definitely easier said than done for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I, I know your so. comments and I think I feel like you're you're really supportive and you're giving him all the tools that he needs. You're playing detective, you're you know, trusting your gut, and that's all anyone can do for their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're lucky to have a lot of resources too where we live. And I um but even though the resources are there, you still have to jump through you know, so many hoops. And like you said, the the mental health system is, it's tricky. And then you, you know, you get through another hoop and then there's like the, you know, the insurance and then, you know, cooperating with the schools and just getting like a comprehensive, like wraparound care. It's just, there's just so much that it's so multifaceted. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, that's just kind of what we're, we've been navigating for, you know, years now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're fortunate now, which is good. You know, I mean, and it's good. It seems like you're, you're savvy enough mm-hmm. to, to navigate those and to hang on there and like kind of trust your own intuition about what, what you need to do. Yeah. We're just 
like I said, we just keep researching, we keep trying things and um, we won't stop until, you know, we get what we're looking for. And yeah, I love just that. being proactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all you can be. Like, no matter what, like, if you're raising a child with OCD, you have to take a pretty proactive um, mama bear kind of approach to mm-hmm. it. And that could be, I know for me, that was like way out of my comfort zone. The first time oh, I yeah. talked to the school or like, you know, I go head to head with a pediatrician at one point, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, or even head to head with a therapist at one point, it was like really awkward. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. But I think it, even if you have anxiety yourself or like I have social anxiety, so I don't like to confront Yeah, me too. People. Okay. Well, so there mm-hmm. you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Confrontation. confrontation is like, forget it. I'll run for the hills before <laughs> I confront somebody. But yeah. um, again, it makes you face like, I'm like, this is my ERP is raising a kid where I am constantly talking to school staff and doctors. And I remember when, you know, they, they gave the first diagnosis of ADHD, me just looking them in the eyes and saying, I'll do respect, but you're completely wrong. You know, it yeah. was just, and, and, we, and we're still like, I said, we're still working through that piece, but it was just like having the guts to say like, I do not agree with you yeah. or this is not working or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be is it's, yeah. And I mean, when you look a professional in the eye and tell them you disagree with them, like, where most of us are like, you know, we need to trust what the advice we're being given. I, I hate to say it. I've been given really terrible advice yeah. um, from people, you know, that you should be able to trust. So I think it just goes back to your gut instinct of, you know, and then there's times when your parent intuition, like when you have a, a you know, when the anxiety first starts to surface and you want to reassure mm-hmm. and then it's like, Oh, whoops. Like <laughs> I was, I was enabling and, you know, not in well, maybe not enabling, but just not, um, not handling that situation the way you should handle anxiety, but you can't get caught up in that either. It's just like, okay, well, no, you know, yeah. now I know this and I'll move on. And, um, but yeah, that, that mama bear and just pressing into awkward situations and conversations is, is part of it. And I think also what I had to learn was, um, I remember listening to a parenting podcast for toddlers was if you can't handle your child's negative emotions as an adult, you really need to get with yourself and figure out why. Mm -hmm. And so like when he has those big negative emotions or when there's confrontation and I have negative emotions or another person does, it's like, I need to be able to sit with that and work through that and get to the other side of that. So we can, you know, keep pursuing answers and getting resources that we need. And you bring up a good point because I think it does, it does shed a light on our own work, you know, when, mm-hmm. um, it is, I think it is ERP, like for us, especially mm-hmm. those that are anxious parents or, you know, with social anxiety for us, um, you know, confronting someone because it can happen, like just pops out of your mouth before, like, I can't even control myself. Like, it's just something comes over me and I have to say something. And then I'm mortified. <laughs> that I <say> something. <laughs> yes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Natasha, dial it back. But you know, <laughs> It, then it's like your what you said. Like, I have to kind of you have to look at yourself and say, what is it about me that I'm uncomfortable? Or with mm-hmm. our own kids, when they're confrontational with us or other people, or you know how their behavior triggers us, looking at us and saying what what's going on with that? Like, you know, anxious people sometimes have a really hard time with 
conflict and chaos and mm-hmm. a lot of the chaos and, and the, the inability to control something. So yeah. like, that's just, those are triggering for anxious adults and having a child with OCD is all of that. It's them having rages and you can't control it and it's chaotic and there's, there's some volatility and then there's no control. You have like zero control over the situation. You can see it, but you can't do much about it except for being a support. And that's tough. It is tough. But, you know, I think you grow and I think you become Mm -hmm. a better person because then you work through it. If you're going to, it's a sink or swim situation, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you're swimming, which is good and learning how to advocate for your child. And, you know, I think people should know that not, uh, that just because someone's a professional doesn't mean they know more than you about OCD or doesn't mean that you can't learn more about OCD than them. Because Mm -hmm. unfortunately in the mental health world, and this is just ridiculous, there's just not a good understanding about OCD beyond the surface level Mm -hmm. stuff that, you know, is kind of the stereotype. So you're going to see a lot of professionals who are going to tell you that it's not OCD or won't even bring up OCD or will tell you other diagnoses. ADHD is commonly um, misdiagnosed, you know, when it's an anxious child because ADHD and anxiety kind of look similar. Sure. So that's a misdiagnosis too. Or some, you can be comorbid and have both, but. Right. So, yeah, I think I like what you said about trusting your gut because mm-hmm. professional or not, you know your child. And I always say that as a therapist, when I'm working with families, I'll say, because sometimes I'll have parents who will put themselves down. They'll say, well, I think it's this or this, but you're the professional. And I'll always be like, but you're the mom, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, I have the clinical expertise, but you are the expert on this child. And so let's work together. Right, absolutely. It's a team effort for sure. And, you know, really be choosy about who you let on your team. Like these are people that are, you know, so much of your child's growth and um, so much of their fight is going to depend on, you know, who you let in. Yeah. And who you allow to talk to. And, um, you know, we, we saw a therapist for a year with my son and it was completely ineffective. She didn't know anything about ERP. She knew a lot about cognitive behavior therapy, mm-hmm. but um, it, it was almost detrimental. You know, we just got to the point where we would go to our appointments and our son would just completely implode and he'd be in the fetal position on the couch. And I mean, there's nothing getting through. So but it was so hard just to even get there, just to get to that therapist and get that treatment. And it, yeah. so it makes you feel like you have to stay because it was so hard. And where am I going to go now? And, yeah. um, but you just have to be, you just have to be diligent. And, um, if you're at least getting education for yourself at home, uh, which is so much of what your material has done for my family, it, I mean, it's just helped so, so much with helping us change our perspective and our speech and our verbiage and uh, our approach with everything. And, you know, some situations where I would just want to like discipline and reward or punish, it's like, it helps me stop. And just sometimes I just need to empathize, you know, and, and just take a breath and, um, you know, or, you know, sit with my negative emotion and, and sit with him and his, Mm-hmm. And just being able to go into that dark place he is at that moment, so he's not alone there. Yeah, I love that because you can't fix everything. Sometimes the way to fix it is to just sit with it. 
Yeah. And that's the best that we can do is just to be there with them. Mm -hmm. And to go back to your other point, you know, OCD is probably one of the only issues in the mental health world that, that you can actually do harm by not having the right therapist. And I think, you know, if it's anxiety, you can have like maybe not a great therapist, but it's not going to really harm the child or grief or divorce. But OCD is probably the only issue where if you have a CBT therapist who doesn't understand OCD, they're going to actually inadvertently do compulsions with the child the entire session. They're going to just do reassurance. Um, They're going to process it or they're going to, if you have a therapist who isn't even well-versed in anxiety, you might even believe some of the stuff that is happening that's an intrusive thought that's not even real, depending on the child's theme. And it could be seriously detrimental. So mm-hmm. it's a good point that you bring up. It's almost better to learn ERP yourself. There's plenty of resources mm-hmm. out there and get started while you're searching. Because sure. I don't think it's rocket science. I think with the right books and the right support, you can get going and and then continue your search. But because I think right. people are just sitting there waiting around and that's, that's, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard and you feel helpless when you are waiting, you know, and, and that's how I ended up on my journey and finding you is just getting, you know, so many of these, well, we think it might be this, we think it might be that. And, you know, me Googling things. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, you know, looking at my child and then looking at my research and then reading this book and reading that. And, you know, know, when we got one diagnosis, I just would research it to death. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, parts of that sound right, but not all of it. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's just something you have to be diligent about and, and, um, you know, take the pieces that really stand out to you so you can really give concrete examples to your providers. I think too, it's just like super concrete examples are, are helpful. Yeah. But yeah, like nobody, OCD wasn't on anybody's radar. And looking back, I'm kind of shocked now, like, you know, like how is this not on the radar? But because people don't even know what, they don't even look at the radar. (laughs) Yeah. They don't even know how to read radar. So they're like, yeah. It's not in their wheelhouse. They don't, they don't teach OCD in most graduate programs. And so unless you're a therapist, oh, it's super scary. I mean, I didn't see any OCD in my graduate program. It's not, you have to educate yourself outside of your, your degree. To, mm-hmm. You have to have, have an interest and you have to have the will and desire and the financial ability to go and educate yourself, typically through the International OCD Foundation, to get mm-hmm. your own um, expertise in it which is mm-hmm. super ridiculous, but at least, at least that's there so that people can do that. But I think just go right to the source and educate parents. You know, why, why spin your wheels? Just educate parents and let them know what to look for so they can advocate for their kids. And that's exactly right. what you're doing. So it's working. It's working slowly. Yeah, <laughs> it's slow, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's progress. It's, it's still progress. Right. It'll speed up eventually. So yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I'm sure it will definitely help other families out there too listening who are in the same boat. I hope so. I really hope so. I I think it's so important for us as parents to just know because it can be so lonely and so isolating and um, you know, just so discouraging. So I'm hoping that by us sharing our story that it can be encouraging and, you know, we can at least just have each other to lean on and um you know 
get that, that encouragement, especially on those days that are really tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much for everything. Well, I hope you found that helpful. I hope that you found, I always learn from listening to other people talk about their journeys and their struggles and their wins. I think it's just nice to feel normalized and to feel like, oh my gosh, this is, there is a normal within our community. (laughs) There's a normal within the anxiety and OCD world that us parents get and that we all kind of experience. And that's kind of what I'm trying to bring you a slice of normalcy in our world to you if you don't have that in your own world. So um, if you're enjoying the podcast, I always greatly appreciate it. If you can hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast, if you have some time to leave a quick review, that's greatly appreciated. Um, Those reviews, those stars help the show um, rise to the top and get people who need this information to be able to see it. So I always like to show my gratitude at the end of my shows by reading someone who took the time to give back and to uh, express their gratitude and share with other parents what they're getting. So I want to say thank you to Shannon. She wrote so grateful for the support. After years of feeling isolated in parenting my three children with separation anxiety and many failed attempts at trying to help them, I stumbled upon Natasha's podcast. I got on my computer one night in desperation after a hard day in the parenting trenches and was so happy to hear her speak in a familiar language. Natasha, your practical tools, gentle guidance, and smiles I hear through your podcast, you can hear me smile, have made me feel heard and understood. I no longer feel alone in parenting kids with anxiety, and I cannot even begin to tell you how much you have helped empower my children. My kids love YouTube videos, and when they are feeling stuck, my youngest will say, let's ask Natasha. (laughs) That's so cute. Thank you for allowing all of us to feel supported on this journey, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to let me know how I'm impacting your family. I really appreciate that. And if you, listener, have anything kind to say or insightful that will help other parents, um, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope that you find a sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.